in that song is very fitting for how we open our series today. We're calling it Hot Topics. And, you know, uh, if you look in the news, you look on Facebook, I mean, I'm telling you, everybody has uh, an opinion, and it just seems like our world is going haywire. Uh, and Buddy and I have talked about, you know, we get really overwhelmed because when you lead a faith community, uh, when you lead a church, um, and you look at just how everybody seems to have a voice and an opinion, you know, where do we start when we're uh, talking about Jesus and his word? And uh, so we decided over the next four weeks that we would have a series called Hot Topics. And you know, in our world today, uh, there are a lot of hot topics. A lot of people are talking about a lot of things. And uh, there are natural disasters. You know, in California, there are fires, there's flooding. We just returned yesterday from West Virginia, and uh, we saw the devastation over there. We were able to talk uh, to people and go to some of the relief stations and uh, go where our team was a, a week ago. And uh, it was just, it was sad and it was overwhelming. Uh, and, and those are happening in our world. And as soon as uh, the natural disasters stop, there's another disaster happening that everybody is talking about. And, and uh, you know, there are senseless shootings and there's angry people, angry, angry people everywhere. And uh, it just seems like uh, it, it, we're just coming undone. Now, if you're the per, a person, and I talked to someone after last service that doesn't watch the news, uh, that might be refreshing for you. Uh, and I think there's a, a line between burying our head in the sand and just saturating ourselves uh, with everything that's going on. There has to be a balance. And so we decided that we would uh, bring that this month. Uh, hot top topics today, we're talking about tragedy. How do we navigate through life when tragedies happen in our life? And there may be natural disasters, there may be shootings, there may be terrorism, uh, and, and, uh, but there may be tragedies, as I heard of just last night, in our homes. And uh, what do we do? How do we, how do we respond to that? And what does the word say? And and as Christ followers, how do we do that in this up upside down world? Where is Jesus at in all of that? Um, so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about some of those hot topics. And yesterday, as I said, we returned from from West Virginia. So Buddy's going to talk about. Um, some of the things that we, some of the ways that we can prepare. You're never ready for a, a tragedy because there's shock that goes along with that. But yet we can, we can be prepared in our hearts so that when those, that happens, when something happens unexpectedly, that we can, um, we can know how to respond. It is true. Everybody hurts. Everybody hurts. And so Buddy's going to share with us today how we can respond to that.
Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to church today. How enthusiastic crowd you are. I'm glad that you're here. And you know, as you think about a series, you start thinking and planning because you have to kind of be a little bit ahead of the game here at Salem Fields when you're talking about a series and you get in your mind what you think the Lord would have you to do. And when you know it, everything just turns upside down. Where do you start in our world today when you're talking about hot topics, when you just got everything just seems like our world is falling apart and it's upside down. And um, so we just, uh, we're just going to work through this this month as God uh, uh, shows us and prepares our heart to help us deal with the hot topics and the things that are going on in our world today. I read a story um, in the Associated Press from uh, uh, Raynell, West Virginia. Uh, it's a story uh, about the flooding. Penny McClure eyed the creek, or the creek, uh, swelling up behind the go-mart as she worked her shift on the morning of June 23rd. It didn't seem ominous, just an unpleasant rainy day in West Virginia. Customers streamed in for supplies and nobody seemed worried. Then the rain sped up in the afternoon and the creeks churned faster and the sky grew dark, so dark that... Um, Robert Frank's young daughter asked if she had fallen asleep and woken up at night. McClure's phone uh, beeped with alert after alert from the National Weather Service. Storms, uh, thunderstorms forecasters warned potential flash flood warnings. A few blocks away, Carol Dunford called her daughter and said she could see the water rising in the distance. She was alone, she said, and the power was out. And they surveyed the sky in their town of 1,500 people that Thursday afternoon. And they could not imagine that the rain would keep pouring down and the water would keep rising. That within hours it would turn their town into a lake and trap dozens whose screams would echo all night. By daybreak, at least 23 people would be dead across the state. And damage would be in the millions and millions of dollars. Those who lived through it said it seemed to veer from relentless storm to catastrophe in an instant. It went from a storm to a catastrophe in an instant. Isn't that life that, that we, can, we can be dealing with life and life can be seen to be going just fine and everything going good and then a little storm will come up on the horizon and before you know it, the water starts rising, it gets dark in our life and the floodwaters rush in and they devastate our lives. You know, the, we need to remember that the Bible teaches us that the world is not a perfect world and, and floods happen in our lives because there's sin in the world. Uh, people do terrible things to other people as we're witnessing in the news even this week and, and the result is suffering and, and things happen. The Bible is brutally honest about it. Ecclesiastes tells us that uh, the Bible tells us sometimes something useless happens on earth. Bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. What Solomon is saying here is that we don't always get what we deserve. Life doesn't always deal us exactly what we deserve. You know, when uh, uh, things happen in our life, there's two mistakes that we can make regarding those difficult times, those disasters, those floods that happen in our life. The first is, uh, one is to think good things happen to me to prove that I'm good. 
or that bad things happen in my life to prove that I'm bad. You know, if good things happen in my life, I'm good. If bad things happen in my life, I must be bad. And, that, and both of those are dead wrong. They're just wrong. The Bible is filled with examples that will show us otherwise in our life. You know, uh, 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 therefore, in life, there will be devastation. Therefore, in life, there will be storms that come into our lives. There will be storms that create tragedy in our lives and create crisis in our lives. You know, those storms could be things like a, a financial storm or a health loss or a marriage loss or a career storm and, or, or we'll lose a loved one and many, many, many other kinds of storms and losses that will create a crisis in our lives. We will go through seasons of crisis. You know, right now you're either in a, a season where everything is going very smooth or you're in the middle of a storm. Or if you're not, there's one on the horizon. It's inevitable. We're going to have to face devastating storms created and stress created by tragedy. You know, we're going to face relentless floods of crisis in life caused by tragedy. So I thought I would like today to help us because we live in the kind of world we live in and things happen, good things happen to, to bad people and bad things happen to good people and the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with those storms in life? How do we deal when the flood waters rise and everything in our world goes dark and those voices in our head tell us all kinds of crazy things about us? How do we deal with that? So I want to give you a couple helps this morning that I hope will help us. First of all, we need to grieve. We need to grieve. You see, when you go through tragedy, uh, which is going to happen, the first thing we need to do is grieve. You see, tra uh, tragedy creates strong emotions. You know, uh, as we were working in the trailer and, and collecting all the goods, and we're so appreciative of everybody that helped, but we had lots of people that came that had ties to West Virginia. They either had family that lived there and they didn't know uh, how they were coping and they hadn't been able to talk to them on their phone and, or, or, they, or they were from West Virginia. But when they began to talk about it, there was strong emotion. The tears would begin to flow down their cheeks as they talked about their loved ones. You see, when we have tragedy in life, it brings out strong emotions. You know, it brings out uh, things like fear. Or helplessness, what do I do now? Or anger, or worry, or, or maybe even depression, or resentment, or grief over things that we lose. People in West Virginia, as we were there this week, they have some of those feelings, and they can be scary when we have those feelings. And if we don't deal with those feelings, if we don't deal with those losses by, by grieving, our, our, our recovery from those tragedies will last longer than they need to last. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 4, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. You see Jesus is saying it's okay to grieve. It's okay to mourn. And he says that when we mourn and when we grieve, he says that we will be comforted. If you're in the middle of a tragedy right now in your life and you say you just need some comfort, then I would say cry out to God and mourn. You see, you have to talk to God about your feelings. Matter of fact, David said in Psalms, pour out your heart to God. 
Pour out your hearts to God, for he is our refuge. In the Old Testament, uh, cities would set up, there would be cities of refuge, and they would build these refuge, and people that were in trouble, people that were accused wrongly, they could run, and they could run to a refuge. And as long as they stayed in that refuge, they were safe. And they were under God's protection and under the protection of the people. But as soon as they stepped outside of that refuge, they were on their own. And God is saying to us, cry out, put your, pour out your hearts to God, for he, I am your refuge. I am your hiding place. And when we're going through tragedy, we're going through grief, God is there for us. The Bible says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Bless those who are mourning, God does. Grief is a part of life. And so as you're grieving, the next thing you need to do is receive help. Receive help. Be willing to receive help. God says we need each other. Look at uh, this verse. Look after each other so that not one of you, not one of you will fail to find God's best blessing. That's what we saw in West Virginia this week. As we were traveling over 60, Interstate 64, we decided to veer through White Sulphur Springs, which the river came right through there. I mean, it was devastating uh, to see the mess that was there. And, and, uh, and, and we saw a sign as we were riding by the Greenbrier right on the other side. There was a sign that said, Neighbors Loving Neighbors. You see, tragedy brings out the best in people. It brings out the best in people, people looking after one another. You see, tragedy brings people together like no other time. And the Bible says that if we're going to make it through this crisis or any crisis that you are facing, we not only need the promises of God, but folks, we need each other. We need the people of God to pull together and come together when there's times of crisis in our lives. I see so many people go through tragedy and go through crisis and they run from God, they run from the church, they run from the place, that refuge that God has created for us to run to when we're in, when we're in times of crisis. And God, he cares about his people and we need the people of God in our lives. You see, the people of God have shown up for West Virginia. The people of God have shown up. And they have been there. You know, that, that you can just go down the road and, and, you know, you can just see church after church. The church that, one of the churches that we went to and worked in their warehouse for a while, their, their church had been devastated. The pastor's house had been washed completely out. The building was, the basement was filled with, with water. And I got to tell you, they had a gymnasium. They stripped the floor out of that gymnasium, cut the walls up, and it's filled with supplies today. And they're doing all they can. The church has arrived. You don't need to talk about FEMA in West Virginia. What you talk about in West Virginia is the people of God being the people of God and loving neighbors, loving each other. Neighbors loving neighbors. Folks, we need the church. We need each other in tragedy. We need each other's perspective. We need each other's support. We need encouragement. We just need people's presence when we're going through the tragedy. Gay and Christian uh, uh, they spent a Friday morning talking to the victims by just being present. As they sat there, as people were in their house, ripping out the floors and cutting the walls out and ragging out the flooring and doing all that, they sat in their garage. Can you imagine the feelings they were having? As they watched their life just be 
washed away and the neighbors and, and gay and Christians spent time just talking to them, being present. You see, that's why we need the church. That's why you need a church. Because when the floods of life come, and they will come, if you don't have those relationships in place, who's going to be there? Who's going to hold you up? It's so awesome to see how the church and the community have responded to the needs of our neighbors in West Virginia and how they've been there for them. The Bible says we need to receive from each other when we go through tragedy. We need to help and encourage one another. So as you grieve, receive help from one another. And don't become bitter. Job says some people have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. You, know, you see, when catastrophe happens in life, uh, we, we will have to decide whether we're going to become bitter or become better. Are you going to become bitter or are you going to get better through it all? You see, when tragedy strikes, you can choose to be happy in life or you can choose bitterness. You know, if I, if I read only Facebook in my life, if that's the only thing I had to tell me what's going on, the tragedies that have happened in America with the senseless shootings that have happened this week in America, if I would only read Facebook, I would think we have become bitter people. Now, I'm not talking about just the world. I'm talking about believers. It seems like instead of being better, we have become bitter. And we could choose to be better or we could choose to be bitter. But you cannot have both. You cannot be bitter and you cannot be happy. You choose one or the other. And it is a choice that we choose. You see, and, and you won't be happy because you can't be happy if you choose bitterness in your life. And when you choose bitterness in your life, you only hurt yourself and the people you love. The truth is, there's no connection between your experiences in life and the circumstances that you're facing in life and, and your happiness. I've seen people in the 30 years of ministry that I've been in pastoral ministry, I've seen people who have went through the absolute most tragic things in life, and when you talk to them, somehow they have a positive attitude, and they're happy, and they're filled with joy in the midst of incredible suffering. And I've seen others go through incredible suffering, and they've become so bitter, and they've become so critical and that they've walked away from the church, they've walked away from God, and they're still hurting today because they refuse to deal with their bitterness and take, make a choice to be happy. You see, happiness is a choice, and as you, as happy to, you're as happy today as you choose to be. You refuse to be bitter because bitterness always hurts you the most. Hebrews says, watch out, uh, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. It, it causes deep trouble hurting many in their spiritual lives. There's a young man that attended our church a couple years ago. His name was Logan Cannon. And Logan Cannon was a kid that grew up here in our church in our youth group. And his sister was in a terrible car accident. And they had transferred her from Culpeper Hospital to Mary Washington Hospital. And as her dad, as his dad ran to the hospital, he dropped dead of a heart attack in the emergency room doorway. 
And Logan and his family began to put things together again in their life, and they moved to Florida. And just about a year later, uh, Logan was paralyzed from a tra tragic diving accident. And I've never seen one bitter post on, say, on his uh, Facebook post. I've never seen him complain. I've never seen, and maybe I've missed it, but the post I've seen has been nothing but choosing to be happy, using joy and not bitterness. And he was just here a few weeks ago and he sat right there in his wheelchair and he gave a testimony of God's goodness in his life. And I gotta tell you folks, we could choose to be bitter and destroy ourselves and the people around us or we could choose happiness. It's our choice. You see, faith is not pretending everything is great in your life. Job says, reach out to God, then face the world again, firm and courageous. And I want to say that to say there are two things that, that we can do when tragedy comes. We can accept what cannot change, what cannot change. We can accept it. We can't change it. Or, or you can be bitter and try to change it. You see, faith is not pretending everything is great in your life. Faith is facing the tragedy, facing the facts that life stinks and not allowing it to destroy you. You see, that's what real faith is. It's not pretending everything's great. There are bad things in the world and there are bad things that happen to us. And, 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 and it happened to good people. It happens to believers. But faith is facing the facts without becoming bitter. You see, there's very little life that you and I can control. And so we gotta, we gotta accept what's happened. The second thing is focus on what's left, not what's on, not what's lost. Focus on what's left, not what's on lost. You know, we saw that all across West Virginia this week. The Bible says, no matter what happens, always be thankful for this is God's will for you. Are you facing a tragedy right now? Are you going through a difficult time? Has crisis come to your house? Then God's will for you in that crisis is to be thankful. Is to be thankful. I talked to a guy a few years ago and his son had been diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And he came to my house and he was sitting at my table. And he was talking to them about the goodness of the Lord. And he was just talking about how God had been so good and how thankful he was for his boy. And not one time... Not one time, not one time did he blame God. And God miraculously healed his son. And I'm not saying that happens every time, but I'm just saying that we can either choose to focus on what we've lost or we can choose to be focused on what's left. And God says, be thankful, thankful no matter what. Now, I'm not talking about being thankful for the tragedy or, or the loss or the tumor or the broken up marriage, but be thankful for what's left. Be thankful for what's left, not for what's lost. You see, in times of tragic, tragedy, we got to try our best to focus on God's goodness and that God loves us no matter what. He promised he loves us no matter what. And sometimes I look at my problems and I think my friends James and Charity Anwa in, Narid, in, in, in Port Harcourt, Nigeria, where there's nothing but violence and poverty and, and, and just lawlessness. And I think they would trade with me. They would trade my problems any day for their problems. If they could switch them, they would look at my little pity problems and they'd say, I'll trade you. I'll trade you. Have you ever heard someone say this? I complained I had no shoes until I met a man who had no legs. 
and I'm a whiner. You focus on what's left, not what's lost. Next, keep in mind what's important. Keep in mind what's important. Disasters have a way of pointing out what really matters. You know, in tragedy, it kind of shows our values. It defines who we are. You see, look at what Jesus said. Life is not measured by how much one owns. What Jesus is saying, don't confuse your net worth with your self-worth. A man's life does not consist of what he owns. What matters in your relationship with him and with others, that's what matters, is your relationship with him and your relationship with those around you. It's not what you own or you lost or what you do have or you don't have. First Timothy says, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. You know, I've done, I've done lots of funerals over my time, and, and I have never seen a U-Haul carry a casket to the gravesite. I've seen a hearse, but not a U-Haul. Here's the point. Folks, if you want real security in your life, you, you cannot build it on the things of this world. You cannot build it on the things of this world. If you want security in your life, you have to build your life on the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ and build your house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his love for us because if we build our house on anything else, if we build our house on anything else that we can lose, then we will always deal with stress. We will always deal with tragedy in our life in a way that will be destructive. You see, you can lose your house, you can lose your clothes, you can lose the drywall on your wall, you can lose the carpet in your house, your car can float down the stream, you can lose your career, your marriage can fall apart, you can get a bad health report from the doctor, and you can lose that beautiful, youthful face that you're carrying around. But you can never lose your relationship with God unless you walk away. You can never lose your relationship with God unless you choose to walk away. So to find real security during times of tragedy, build your life on something that cannot be taken from you. And that is relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God will never leave you or forsake you. That means that God will never leave you. That God will never leave you. Paul said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We may give up on God, but I can promise you God will never give up on you. Even if you walk away, he will be pursuing you. He is relentless. You see, he will always pursue you. Next, put your trust in God. Now, there are four things that we can expect from God when we put our trust in him. First, we can expect peace. The Bible says in Isaiah, you, you, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you. He gives peace. And there's nothing more that we need in tragedy when our mind begins to race and everything seems to be falling apart around us. We need peace. Next, we need hope. Psalm 62 says, I will find rest in God. Only he gives me hope. Folks, we all need hope. They say that people can go weeks without food. I can hardly go between meals without food. But they say we can go without food weeks. You can go days without water. You can go minutes without air. But you cannot go a second without hope. We need hope. And God has promised us hope in the midst of tragedy. When we trust God, he gives us courage. We need courage during those relentless storms when they turn tragic. The Bible says, you are my shield, my wonderful God who gives me courage. And finally, folks, we need to trust in God who gives us strength. The Bible says, God is my Savior. I will trust him. 
and not be afraid. The Lord gives me power and the Lord gives me strength. God says, I will give you strength to make it through. What do we need? Nothing zaps our strength more than tragedy and we need strength to make it through the tough times in life. Not only those does God give us peace, hope, and courage, and strength, but the Bible says that he will save us. He says it will save us. We are really we were really crushed and overwhelmed, Paul said, and feared we would never live through it. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves, but that was good. You see, when I was powerless to help myself, Paul's saying, but that was good. For then we put everything in the hands of God, who alone can save us. And he did help us, and he saved us. And we expect him to do it again and again and again. And sometimes when you're in tragedy and you think that God won't come through, think back in your life because God has come through for you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I can tell you you were facing the greatest tragedy of your life without Christ, and that was an eternity in hell. And God saved us from hell through his son Jesus Christ. And if he will save us from that, he will save us Time and time again, if he saved you once in the past from a tragedy, he'll do it again and again and again. Finally, folks, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. No matter how dark your situation is, don't ever, don't ever give up. No matter how deep the water is, don't ever give up. No matter the voices in your head, no matter what they're telling you, don't ever give up. No matter how bruised and beaten you are, never give up. Or how defeated you feel, I got to tell you today, folks, it's not over yet. Keep on fighting. David said, be brave, be strong. Don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. Folks, no matter what crisis you're facing today, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. I got to tell you, if you're facing a financial crisis, I want you to know something. It's not over yet. No matter what your bank account says, it's not over yet. It's, if you're facing a career crisis and you've lost your job and you don't know where to turn, I want to tell you, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. If you're facing a health crisis, it's not over yet. It's not over if your marriage seems to be falling apart. It's not over yet. If you've lost a loved one, it's not over yet. West Virginia, it is not over yet. America, it's not over yet. Orlando, it's not over yet. You know, Bangladesh, it's not over yet. Because God will get there soon. God bless you.
saw there pulling out was the tractor trailer that you all filled up our community filled up we got the word out and people responded and the first day we thought how are we ever going to fill this huge tractor trailer up and we did and what started out as a little trip this week buddy and Christian were supposed to go to the Greenbrier Classic had free tickets and everything well that was washed out and so four of us piled in a vehicle and we headed out to West Virginia because Christian wanted to see one of the only two McDonald's in the country that serves pizza. <laughs> we found it, we ate it, and then we moved on. And we moved on to the devastated places. We went to uh, a Nazarene church in Clendenin where our team went last week and we saw what the team uh, was involved in and there it's it's a major operation there buddy told you a little bit about it but we wanted to know we were told that our tractor trailer truck went to clay west virginia so we tracked it down and we went through west virginia uh, roads and we found clay west virginia and sure enough there the tractor trailer was. There was a little teddy bear that said, somebody in Fredericksburg, Virginia loves you. 
we saw written on the top of those uh, blessing buckets, God bless you and your family. You all responded completely. We talked to the pastor and his daughter there and a young girl that had tirelessly worked there every day except for one. She said, we're really, really tired here. But we saw that God provided for them in a way through your hands and your feet and you responding out of your heart. And we talked to the people and the, the stories coming out of there are amazing. West Virginians that have been flooded are helping West Virginians that have been flooded. They all, they're helping one another. And then teams are coming from all over the country. We saw one when we stopped at Chick-fil-A on the way home, a, a team from a Baptist church, a huge team that was headed to West Virginia. But it's not over yet. You know it's not over yet. In the midst of that, there's still a lot of hope. And people are coming together. I learned when I talk to people, you don't want to mention the word FEMA. You want to mention the church. Because the church is coming through. And we're so, we're thankful for FEMA. We're thankful for the government. But in reality, if you see that in the news, they're not the ones that are responding the way that you are. And so we want to continue that. We don't want, you know what happens in the news, right? You hear about these tragedies and then the next tragedy comes along and we don't hear about those. So we want to continue that. The people in Clay were so grateful. Half of those supplies have already gone out and they said people are coming. They're still kind of mobilizing there. And so uh, there's some needs. We, you know, one of the consistent things that I heard is that people send things that they really don't need. And so one of the values that we've had at Salem Fields is the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna listen. We're not gonna presume that we know what people need. West Virginia has a lot of pride and we wanna value the pride of the people there. And we don't wanna come in and say, we're here to save you. We wanna come in to say, we wanna partner with you. And so we listened and one of the needs that they desperately need are these masks that I'll show you up here. And the reason for that is because at first they were just wearing the, the little mask, you know, like the surgical mask. But now the mold, the black mold has grown so bad and the maggots are in there so bad that they need these respirators and they're, they're, they can be pretty expensive. But they said, if you can supply these, that would be incredible and those, um, those things on the side there, they, they're replaceable. And so if you could give financially at all, we would love for you to join in that way. You know, everybody that's involved, whether you're talking with someone or you're praying for someone or you're doing the hard work there, everybody can come together and do something. So they need the masks. They also need power tools, which are pretty expensive and they're not getting a lot of those. But I watched them rip, rip up the uh, floors and I saw the black mold underneath that's, that's growing really quick. 27 people have already been sent to the hospital because of that mold. So they desperately need those. But more than anything, as you heard Buddy say, more than anything, they need manpower and girl power and women power. <laughs> they need people to go and be boots on the ground. And there are people that will mobilize and help people. So Kelly's is our missions pastor. If you would talk to him, you can email him, Kelly at Salem Fields, 
or you can go out to the Welcome Center, find Kelly, and he's mobilizing some teams that will go. If you can give financially, we would love for you to be able to do that as well. Just remember, we want to continue to lift up our, um, our friends in West Virginia and uh, be who God has called us to be here at Salem Fields. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had together. Thank you for the people that are coming together, even those here at Salem Fields Community Church, those in our community here in Fredericksburg, God, all of those that are contributing to uh, partnering with people in West Virginia. Father, thank you so much for this body of Christ that cares. Father, we thank you that your presence has, has been here and that we don't have to count anything out because you are at the very center. And Father, thank you for the message and the reminder that we can never lose our relationship with you unless we choose that. And so, Father, we give this time to you. We just tug on our hearts, Lord, and speak to us and, and help us to move in the direction that you would, would uh, have us to do so. Father, thank you once again for all those here, all of those online. And we give you all the glory and all the praise for everything that's happened here this morning. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Remember, don't give up, and it's not over 